Tonight, a feature interview with Manny Montenegrino about the state of Canada in 2020. It's December 23rd, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon Thank consumer you. I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. And joining me now via Skype is our friend Manny Montenegrino, the CEO of Think Sharp. Manny, great to see you again. Great to see you, Ezra. Merry Christmas. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> and to you too. Uh, yep. 2020, um, I don't know, some people had hoped it might be different, hoped that Justin Trudeau could have been dislodged as prime minister. I was always skeptical because the media party, they love him. They're his base. They dragged him across the line. And even though Andrew Scheer got more votes, well, sorry, that's not how the system works. Trudeau won more right. seats and he's prime minister. Right. No, you're, you're absolutely right. It is um, for those that thought that, that that the conservatives could win easily, really don't understand the history of uh, politics in Canada. Uh, never has a liberal party uh, with a majority uh, not won the next election. It's never happened. Uh, so, it, and, and you know, the challenges is that there are, as you said, uh, with respect to the media and uh, etc. But the biggest thing is, is that uh, Canadians fail to under, uh, most Canadians fail to understand that you need a robust NDP and a robust uh, uh, Greens and Bloc and so on in order to uh, have a, a conservative win. Uh, there are about, you know, you know, if you look at the history of Canada. Uh, there's about, uh, in the last seven, eight elections, at maximum 36, 37, 38% of conservatives. Uh, and there's a pool, of course, of 61, 64, 3, up to 70% of progressives. Uh, what the prime minister did right, I think, in this election is, uh, he borrowed from the progressives. He didn't even call himself the Liberal Party in this, uh, in the last election. He basically called the progressives. We progressives have to stick together. Yeah. Well, what he did, and it, it worked, is about 650,000 votes went from the NDP from the last election, and the last election wasn't a good election for the NDP, mm. but 60, 650,000 votes uh, to the Liberals, and, and that, that makes you win a few seats, and, and, and the results are such that there's a minority government. Yeah. Jagmeet Singh, I mean, when he first hit the scene, I thought, wow, he can out Trudeau, Trudeau in terms of uh, selfies and looking good and hip and he's on the kids social media i see him doing dance moves on uh, an app called TikTok, which is like really a, for the for the generation z and i thought well finally he can out trudeau trudeau but no I, I don't think that worked i think that liberals went with trudeau because he was as far left as any ndp but strategic anti-conservative voters said well i like jagmeet singh but we can't afford a split on the left. I think it was all strategic voting. And yep. frankly, Trudeau was giving you everything a traditional NDP government would give you. Trudeau is uniting the left. Exactly. And, and uh, that's a big story that, that we don't see in the media. We see a lot of stories about the Conservative Party and uh, share whether he's going to be challenged or otherwise. But to me, the biggest story is the NDP completely went back to its very tiny base that it once had prior to 
uh, you had uh, Jack Layton and, and his miraculous work that he's done. He did on in, in the very few elections, as well as Moclair did a pretty good job. So, so that's the biggest story is the collapse of the NDP. Yeah. If there wasn't, and I did the math, Ezra, if if the NDP just kept what Moclair had, or did what Jack Layton did, and you go through the numbers, there would have been a strong conservative minor, a major, a minority, huh. maybe a majority. Huh. Is that interesting? You know, um, it's, it's not just that Jagmeet Singh didn't really tear it up on the campaign trail. It's that the party has little cash now. Right. Um, its parliamentary budget has been cut in half since its caucus has been cut in half. And even if they were faced with a bill that they really, really wanted to vote against. I don't know if they could afford to have another election right now. The Conservatives did well fundraising. The Liberal incumbents will always do well fundraising. I think Jagmeet Singh is trapped because he doesn't want to hit the hustings again. I think yeah. Trudeau has a de facto majority because those NDP, and now, by the way, the bloc is bigger than the NDP. I don't think the parties are going to have a quick election. I think this could be a long-standing minority government. I agree with you. I agree with you. And I think that's a consensus of most of the experts out there. They're saying exactly that. The, the block, um, how many more seats can they get? Why would they risk? I mean, we talk about jobs and pensions for the MPs now. Why would you risk uh, an election when you're pretty well tapped to your max as the block and they have the greatest influence? It's a minority government. They, they could get more seats and it'd be a majority and they'd have less influence. So they've got the strongest influence they have little money, and they want—they have a self-interest of keeping it going. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. Uh, with respect to the NDP, you're right again, Ezra. I mean, there's, a, there's certainly no appetite. There's no money, and they've got to get. I, I think they—they they have to find a new base. They went from a base of Quebec um, as a strong base, and now they got to find their base again, and that's going to take a little while. Uh, it certainly isn't out west. It isn't the traditional, and and they're fighting the 416 uh, with. Uh, with uh, Justin Trudeau, so and the Liberals, so they don't have like you know, you know, when you start these campaign wars, you need a base, and what's your base? Where you're going to fight from? So and they plus they have no money. So I, your, your assessment is right. I think we're you know, unless some crazy thing happens again that no Canadian can stomach, and the Prime Minister is pretty good at giving these these uh, these shocks to Parliament and shocks to uh, to everyone. Unless one of those happens again. Uh, it, it could go a, a long time. Yeah. You know, one thing I want to talk about is the cabinet, because one of the, I think that Catherine McKenna, the former environment minister, I, I think she was an irritant to the West because she was so dogmatic and I think quite shallow and just, I, I think her, her tone started to grate. I mean, people who liked her, I guess, liked her a lot, but she was shuffled out of the environment. I thought that was an interesting signal. The Liberals ran another environmental extremist named Stephen Gilbeau. He used to be the head of Equiter, which is like the David Suzuki Foundation of Quebec. He was not given environment either. He was put into heritage. So they put someone less incendiary into environment. They took Christia Freeland out of foreign affairs. So they took, uh, I don't know, the media certainly called Freeland and McKenna stars. They moved them out. I think they created a bunch of fake cabinet positions so they could uh, maintain their gender right. <laughs> equity. Um, what do you make of the new cabinet? I'm glad McKenna's out of there. I don't think a lot's going to change substantively, but they did take their two stars and demoted them. 
I think what they did, Ezra, and you're absolutely right, in my view, it's a demotion, but the media won't say it's a a demotion. But I think what they did is they put a silencer or a muzzle on the cabinet. I think it's strategic, Ezra. The last cabinet was too vocal, too screechy, yell out loud and you'll be heard, yell out loud and they will agree. Uh, And I think everybody took basically in the cabinet, took their position from the prime minister who was out there on every issue and being very vocal. Have you not seen, Ezra, that the prime minister is pretty well MIA now? They've muted him. And I think the strategy now is mute all cabinet. Don't no more. No more be seen. Uh, the, the, you know, Catherine McKenna was I mean, I, 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 I we saw more of her than than uh, of anyone. Yeah. Uh, and same same thing with Christina uh, Freeland. So so I think what's happening is get those boring old white guys uh, there that the media doesn't kind of give all the attention to. And perhaps this will take the spotlight on all the ineptitude of this government away. Yeah, you know, there's such a thing as overexposure. People get right. tired, especially if you're a little quirky or if there's something that irritates. Overexposure, you see it with regular celebs. Political celebs are by nature less uh, uh, likable. Um, and, you know, it's funny. After the election, Trudeau said, I'm going to really reach out in, har- you know, in harmony with the West. He went literally one month without a press conference one month, not without a press conference, without, talk, without taking reporters' questions, a whole month. Right, right. And there was no stories in the Canadian media saying, why is the Prime well, Minister hiding? Uh, I think everyone just was happy to have a break, but that's a month of no, zero, literally zero well, accountability. Yeah, well, the, the biggest show on the road was the CFL Grey Cup. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there, is, there is no greater unity of Canadians under sport. I mean, sure, the Stanley Cup would be greater if there are two Canadian teams. But here you have two Canadian teams. One represents the east of Canada. The other represents the west of Canada. And here they are battling in the province that you're having the most difficulty with. If they're, I mean, if God ever wanted to send an easy kind of layup and say, here's your chance to be seen and start your unification of candidates at East-West, be there, be in Calgary, show up, didn't show up yeah. in Canada's game. Yeah. And, 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 and no one's made, no one said, wait a minute, wouldn't that be a neat first yeah. step? And it's not, it's not political. It's not talking to politicians. Yeah. It's just showing up so yeah. Canadians say, hey, you know what? It was a tough election. The prime minister knows it was a tough election, but you know what? He's got guts. He came here and he's starting. I would have said, Hey, that's one message. Be there with Jason Kenney yeah. at the, at the, at the game. Right. And as hard as it is for the prime minister, you know what's harder? The deunification of Canada. Yeah. That's harder. Yeah. So, so you, you got to muscle up and do that. I was shocked that he didn't do it. Yeah. Well. It's a great point. He could have sat right next to Jason Kenney as a sign that I don't care if you're mad at me. I am the prime minister of all Canadians. And the fact that you're mad at me means I have to do I have to be here now, so I don't care if you boo a little bit. I'm here, and we're going to fix this together. Like, you have a tough love message like that. Right. People are going to say, all right, respect. He knew he was going to get booed. He came out right. here. He sat next to Kenny, and he said a few things. And give the, he didn't do that because he's he, he I, I hear that he's actually quite sensitive to criticism. We know that. And I think that's why he did, didn't go to Calgary. I, it tells me he's not going to go to Calgary a lot because he'll be booed for quite a while. 
Well, no, no, but that that goes to the point of everything. Uh, the prime minister does things that makes him feel more comfortable. So the hard work is doing something that makes you feel uncomfortable. You see that down south, the president is doing everything that makes everybody uncomfortable. Yeah. It makes, I mean, he's he's taking on NATO, but NATO now has hundreds of billions of dollars more. He's there's success. He's taking on China. I mean, that's pretty risky. Yeah, yeah he's starting uh, and, with the hard stuff. Yeah. And so, yeah, every meeting that he goes into is punishing for the president. But he knows that's how you make your country great. Our prime minister, if there's a tough meeting, whether it be with 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 uh, the president or whether it be uh, with uh, with the east west divide, it's easier to avoid that because you know what? It's hard. And that's not what we need right now. We need leadership. We need a person to go in there and do the tough work during these tough times and stick it out. Yeah. Well, let me ask you, um, I think that things are about to start coming apart in Canada. And I don't say that with any uh, joy. I think that we're starting to see the revision of economic numbers. This, I, I, call me paranoid, <laughs> but I think Statistics Canada has been pressured by the Prime Minister's office, just like Jody Wilson-Raybould in the Justice Department was pressured by the Prime Minister's office. I think they were pressured to hold back on any bad news about the economy until after the election. I have no proof of that. I just know that's Trudeau's M.O. And now we're seeing some weakness in the economy. Um, the oil patch is being divested because of bad policy choices in Canada. Um, I am worried that you're going to see an economic slowdown. And I think you're going to see Wexit, which is the goofy nickname for Western separatism, uh, rise its head up again. And I think Trudeau has no idea how to calm that down and frankly doesn't want to calm it down. He loves that being the angry foil to his charming self. So I think things are going to be tough in Canada in the year ahead, and I don't say that with any happiness. Do you think I'm being too pessimistic, Manny? No, yeah, actually, Ezra, that's a a good point. Let's use statistics, Ezra. Uh, United States of America is running about 3%, you know, sometimes up to 4% GDP growth. That, you know, and it is, uh, here's a stat, Ezra, Uh, the longest economic uh, growth has been 120 months. You know, this is a month on month without any recession. Hmm. America's hit that on July 1st. Hmm. It is, we are in unprecedented territory. It's been 120, I think it's five, six months in December, 127 months of, of, of pure sustainable growth in GDP. That's never happened before. Everyone knows that a, Russia, a recession is coming. It should come just statistically. So Ezra, your spider senses are right, mm. but 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 I think you having the prime minister, uh, sorry, the president of the United States, unilaterally focused on his economy. I mean, pretty much to to the exclusion of everything else. He's yeah. really working hard on the economy. This is why we're in record territory. Uh, you know, I can't see this going on for another 10 months. I mean, you, you then, now you're breaking the record by basically, uh, you know, uh, 50%, uh, whereas, you know, it's never been more than 120 months. So, mm-hmm. so it's, um, so Ezra, you're right. And then when you look at Canada, we have a problem that America doesn't have. They have a booming oil and gas industry. We, ours is, of course, punished. Uh, so, and our, our GDP growth has been around one and a half, two percent But remember, Ezra, 
25% of our GDP comes from the United States. Right. So if they're humming at 3 or 4%, we're picking up a, a half a point or three quarters of a point from yeah. America. Right. So, so, so most of our GDP growth is coming from America doing well. So if, if it doesn't do well, if America slipped into a 1% or 2% growth or even a recession, it's going to be absolutely terrible in, in Canada. Yeah. So, so you're pretty, you're pretty astute to pick that, pick that up. I think, in fact, by value, our largest export to the United States is crude oil. I'd have to check right. the math on that. Yeah. I think that's actually bigger than our sales to them on the auto sector. Let me ask you uh, about America, because um, I think we're, we're going to be uh, saddled with Trudeau as prime minister for at least two years. And I don't think a heck of a lot is going to change. But America is heading, in, it's less than 12 months now until their election day. Um, their media is in high gear already, whether it's impeachment talk or the Democratic presidential primaries. I think the whole world is riveted by America. Trump himself is so entertaining and the, the group of opponents to him is so, I don't know, I, I find them uninspiring, but, but I'm perhaps prejudiced. Do you think Trudeau's going to try and meddle in some way? Trudeau did meddle a little bit in the 2016 U.S. election. He posed with Hillary Clinton. Trudeau weighed in on Brexit against leave. So two out of two he got wrong. Do you think Trudeau's going to meddle at all or, or be seen with the Democratic nominee or do something else like that that you know he personally wants to do? that I think would actually be a disaster for Canada-U.S. relations? No, oh, yeah, yes, sir, I, absolutely. I mean, he's already doing the meddling now. Um, in my opinion, it's, we, we have a USMCA deal that was signed over a year ago, Mexico signed, and Canada has not signed. And I think that's the great delivery to the Democratic Party to make sure that they don't give Trump another win. I mean, it's pretty hard when Trump does a bilateral, uh, a, a, a trilateral deal with North and South to him. That's a pretty big victory. And I think the prime minister is not putting Canadians first because why hasn't he not signed or sorry, passed in parliament when he had a majority government uh, for six, seven, eight, nine months. Why did he not pass it? I think that's holding out to help the Democrats in the election. So I've already seen evidence that he's doing what he can to help the Democrats. I've seen when he had a state dinner uh, in 2016 right. uh, with Bar Barack Obama, who's campaigning fiercely for for um, uh, for Hillary Clinton, uh, to sit there and have a state. I mean, it was unprecedented to see a prime minister have a state dinner when there's an election on and it's for the guy campaigning against the guy who won. So um, Ezra, there's going to be a lot of Canada trying to help, or the, not Canada, the Liberal Party and the Prime Minister uh, trying to help in this election. How far will they go? Well, look, we had evidence with, with, with how far it went the other way. We have Barack Obama sending a tweet and, and that tweet you know, depressed me, right. uh, su supporting um, uh, uh, Justin Trudeau's bid for his uh, second election. This is a man who spent eight years fighting against racism, blackface, and all these white privileged uh, Americans, or, or Canadians, but Americans who uh, who take racism uh, uh, not important because of the privilege. And then he sends a tweet of support to a person who's done it and, and admitted 
that he had a life of racism, a life of, 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 of such privilege that caused him that. And he sent a tweet. So don't underestimate what Justin Trudeau owes to the Democratic Party of America. Hmm. Uh, so it's huge. Yeah, that's a very good point about Barack Obama. Um, I want to ask you one last question about foreign affairs, because two things I've detected two changes in recent months. And, you know, obviously the big one is China. Um, everything from their seizure of the two hostages to their agricultural boycotts on Canada. Some have been relaxed, but I think China's still on a full court press against Canada. But Trudeau doesn't seem to be responding in kind. It looks like we're still a part of that Asian investment, infrastructure investment bank, which is crazy that we, we would take Canadian money invested in a Chinese-led infrastructure bank. I don't even know why we would do that in the first place. But Trudeau and his team seems to be very China-oriented still. So that is a strange quirk. It puts Canada at odds with America. And at the UN, not too long ago, Canada switched its voting position back to its old anti-Israel position, voting against Israel on an anti-Israel slander motion that we got away from under the Harper years and the first term under Trudeau. So what's going on with foreign affairs? It seems like Trudeau's going more gung-ho to the left, not less so. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right Ezra. I have a I should tell you a, a, a story. I have a good friend that's an Iranian, uh, and she's uh, she's a friend of the family. She's in her 30s, and she's got family in Iran. And she tells me the stories about how there's bombs and the yeah, and, and it's frightening over there. And she goes, "Well, Canada is not speaking. We need their help. Why is Canada not there?" So, so you're very right on that. I think I I, I do think Ezra. You know, I'll use the analogy. When I was in high school, I was a very small little kid, but I had a, a big, big brother, um, and he was uh, three, four years ahead of me, but a big guy. And um, I walked around with a lot of swagger in high school because I knew my big brother was there. And that, and, and that was that's Canada. Uh, we have our big brother, the United States, but I think you see a sense of a lot of countries seeing a kind of a separation between Canada and the United States, certainly between the two leaders. Uh, we had evidence with that two-faced comment just a while ago. Um, so there is, if, when they see that, when there's a vacuum, um, people will take advantage of it. And I think the vacuum is, is that uh, Canada, it, you know, uh, you know, it doesn't want to be, uh, certainly this government doesn't want to be seen uh, in connection with the Trump government. And a lot of countries are going to see an opportunity and it's not going to be good for Canada. And certainly China is one of them. I mean, think about how China has been kicking Canada around uh, with impunity. And we did absolutely, you know, it's so it's, you know, it's China, Saudi Arabia. We still don't have any uh, relationship there. Uh, uh, Iran is certainly in trouble. But for some reason, this government's not saying anything about these thousands of people. And I think a few thousand were killed. Uh, so I, 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 it's not a good spot in the yeah. foreign relations. Yeah, and India, too. Yeah, yeah, right. We've Trudeau's ticked them all off. Well, Manny, it's a depressing look ahead. We'll have to see how the year unfolds. We always have to have hope, and right. uh, we got to because we've got to carry on. This is our country. Great to see you again, my friend, and we'll great, see you great in the to new see year. You, Thank you. All Happy right, new there year. you have it, Manny Montenegrino, our good friend and political analyst, former lawyer to Prime Minister Stephen Harper. Stay with us.
Thanks for watching. We'll have more shows throughout the Christmas season, feature interviews, and a few retrospectives of some of the best of The Rebel in 2019. Until next time, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, good night, and keep fighting for freedom.